This is The Bull, The Bear, and My Brother's Chair, a podcast hosted by brothers Nate and Brian Lucius, leaders of Gradient Financial Group. Each episode, they talk about how they're bullish, how they're bearish, and the chairs they cherish. I'm Abby Steffel, wife, mother, CrossFit athlete turned American Ninja Warrior. And I'm Molly Steffel. I'm 11, a sister, friend, ninja, lover of horses, pizza, and in fifth grade. We're here on the podcast today to talk about turning obstacles into opportunities, starting with Molly's battle with Alapita and how it took us down a path we never thought we'd be on. I'm excited. Let's get started. Welcome to the Bull Bear in my brother's chair. My name is Brian Lucius, and I am here, as always, with Mr. Nate Lucius. Nate, how is it going today? Bilu, I'm doing good. We had uh, uh, some excitement this weekend. We got to go, you and I, you were there. I was there. Uh, to a live hockey game uh, Good in to Chicago. be back. Good to be back in an arena. We watched the uh, National Training Development Program, or NTDP, take on the Chicago Steel. Yes, the USHL, for those of you uh, that are familiar with hockey out there. It was and great. our little brothers play up at the National Training and Development Program. They do. And they are uh, quite good. In Not fact, so little, though. They're younger, we should say. They're younger, younger but yeah, they are definitely... Uh, they're smaller than me, but it's not height that they're smaller. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it was fun to be back in an arena and see things again, so it was good. Um, we got on the guest on the show today. This is the first time the Bull Bear Chairs ever had two guests. Okay. <clears throat> we had Abby Steffel. Yep. And when it, the show first came in, it was Abby was on American Ninja Warrior. You know the show? Very familiar. Yes. Hang from one arm, do things I could never dream yep. of doing. I'm like, okay, that's cool. But as I got into it and read the article on them, she actually ended up on the show because of the inspiration that her 11-year-old daughter has provided to her. And you'll hear this little 11-year-old girl story. In fact, her mom, Abby, said, is it okay if I have Molly on the show? And I thought, man, I've never had an 11-year-old on the show. Like, I I don't know how to do that. I talk to my kids at home, but like, I don't know if my kids can do a podcast. Now, when you hear this little girl's story of growing up with a cleft lip and palate, then she got alopecia where all your hair falls Mm -hmm. out. And was kind of bullied all the way through, as you can imagine, you know, appearance being big when you're younger, heck, when you're older, the the, the things that this little girl has faced and the way she's overcome them is nothing short of amazing. So really cool. cool. This little girl is the most eloquent, inspirational little kid I've heard ever. So it's a really, really fun show, different show. But before we get started, we've got some uh, savings, taxation, we've got some things to talk about, not yeah. from a financial advisor standpoint, but we've been getting a lot of questions coming in because we've covered some of the Biden proposed tax changes, obviously stimulus packages, a couple of different things, but I feel like people are paying a little bit more attention to their money these days. Yeah, I've got a few statistics that I was reading this past weekend. Um and I think I'm bullish on this. Uh, I'll go with bullish, even though there's a lot of uh, stimulus and all the things going on, which I guess you could say you're bullish or bearish. But the United States, there's an average consumer savings, right, that comes out of savings rate. Right. So you make 100 bucks. how much do you save? Right. And so from 19, roughly, this comes from Bloomberg, so I'm going to trust it. Uh, from 1995 through 2018, the average U.S. earner saved 6% right? Mm-hmm. Well, 2018, early 19 through recent, which we've had a lot of stimulus and things happening, the average savings rate is near 18%. That's much higher. People are getting more money in their pockets. Generally, they're not spending as much, which probably helps the savings rate. So 6 to 18%. And so the average American, if you look at statistics from, I think, 65 to 74 the average has $426,000 saved. Okay. That's an average. Yeah. Okay? It takes low, high average. Yep. Mm-hmm. The median, which is middle of the road, right? You got 100 people. The number 50 saver has 126000 Okay. So if you know anything about statistics or you paid attention in math class, what that tells me is the average 426, the median 164 tells me that on the higher end of it, right? There's a lot more there 
than meaning the average is higher than the median. Right. right? Mm-hmm. So that's kind of the same when you look at, you know, when you look at stocks, right? You look at the stock market. Everybody looks at what index? S&P 500. S&P 500. 500 companies. Are those companies equally weighted? No. They no. are weighted by their market cap, right? Yeah. So Tesla has a lot better or has a lot more influence than other stocks. And so when you look at S&P, going back to say, you know, median versus average, the average or the return last year of the S&P, the index itself was over 16%. Mm-hmm. Okay. But if you were to own each of those stocks, equal weighted, right? There's equal weighted index for the S&P. Right. It was only up about 12%. Got it. So I think one of the, my takeaways is everybody in this industry likes to talk averages and the S&P did this, the S&P did that. Well, if you weren't in last year, tech stocks, right? The top ones, Tesla made, how much do you think Tesla made in 2020? Oh man, it was a lot. 35%. Uh, it was a big number. It was like 700%. Okay, that's a lot. Okay, so it's slightly more than 35. Etsy, 300. PayPal, 116. So if you take out the top 10 in the S&P, <clears> you <throat> probably made 4%. So I think the point of that is when your consumers are looking at, when people, invest, investors out there are looking at you know, averages, you got to be careful, right? The, right? There's no average for a lot of people. And if you owned high quality great, you know, really good stocks last year that paid a dividend, you probably made five, six, right, seven percent. they did percent. decent. Yeah, they mm-hmm. did, you did really well, but you didn't make 600% in a stock. So right. I think just as you're talking and as, as you listen, well, you know, you're talking to your buddy on the golf course, he's like, well, I made, you know, 300% last year. Well, he happened to buy Tesla and just took a flyer on it. So <laughs> I think- Not you know, a good di- investing strategy. A little diversif- diversification last year certainly- uh, didn't help you as much, but yeah. it, it will, you know, it's, it's certainly panning out this year a lot more than, than it did last year. And I do think that people are in a pretty good mind frame about the, about the markets themselves. Like yeah. they're pretty comfortable with them. I think people, you know, they're expecting things to go good, but they're also ready for a 10% correction. Right. <clears throat> You've done well over the past few years. So you're okay with that. We've heard a lot more topics and questions on the taxation portion of it. Right. And I do think that you know, things that are going on, plus you got savings rates being high. You've got a younger population getting more into investing thanks to the GameStop hype and all that stuff, the Robin Hood, all that that was going on. <clears throat> so they're starting to be more conscious and people are being more conscious about their money. And you look at the taxation portion and do you know what the U.S. national debt is as of uh, today? Oh, $19 trillion. $28 trillion. Okay. <clears throat> So it wasn't 19 too long ago. It's going up quite often. Now, yes. one could argue debt's one thing, but can you service the debt is another. Right. But, you know, there is no question that our, our spending and taxation is somewhat out of control in the country. <clears throat> and so to get the national debt coming back, you either have to, well, does the government produce any goods or services that drive revenue? No. They don't, right? They either have to spend less to get it under control, or they have to raise taxes, which is their source of revenue, to get it under control. Do you think that they'll just spend less? You think they'll only raise taxes? You think a combination of both are coming? Uh, well, I think taxes are going to go up. Yeah. I'm not sure that they're going to spend less. <laughs> I, I can't quite get there yet. <clears throat> but they're going to, you know, maybe. they'll maybe do their part. And Possibly. So, in small areas, yes. Right. And you look at that number you threw out in the debt. Over the past uh, 12 months, maybe a little more than that, we had $2 trillion in the CARES Act stimulus package. That yep. was the first one. We had $900 billion that was included in the Consolidated Appropriations Act of 2021. That was in December. Yep. And then we just recently had the American Rescue Plan, which was another $1.9 trillion, meaning $4.8 trillion in stimulus packages alone in the last 12 months. So people start to wonder, how the heck are we going to pay for this all, right? Now, the spending in the stimulus packages is somewhat unique. Have you heard of the the what they call pork that gets added into this? Uh, yes, <clears> I and have. This the, is the excess. This is the excess. So, again, a lot of this was coronavirus aid or helping things that have been affected by COVID-19. That's what you understand it right. to be. Now, a couple of things are added in there, and this is not political because all sides do this. They put $86 billion to save nearly 200 pension plans that were insured by the Pension Benefit Guarantee Corp. So they're kind of under yeah. mismanaged pension funds, yet there was no reform 
that was added to it. It was no. just, here's some money. Right. Um, another interesting one that they had was uh, $200 million to the Institute of Museum and Library Services. Okay. Not sure that that got affected by COVID-19. One more interesting one was a billion and a half for Amtrak. When was the last time you rode a train, Nate? Oh, it's been a while. <laughs> it's been a I got to be honest. It's been a little bit of time. So they appropriated $3 billion for Amtrak, $2 billion in annual appropriations, plus an additional billion dollars in the CARES Act. The funny thing is, is that the three years before the pandemic, Amtrak lost $392 million. So not sure if COVID affected them or if perhaps passenger trains are on their way out. It's both, yes. So you lump that spending in, and then you look at the current proposed tax changes. You've heard about, we've talked about that. Yep, we have. Like and, in the last episode. Yep, a little bit. And most things are geared to affect people making over what's the number? 400,000. 400,000. That's the number you keep hearing. And so I think a lot of people think, well, that's not really going to affect me. Have you heard that before? Yes. So you do have a couple things in there of itemized deductions, payroll tax, things that will affect 400,000 and above. But you also have 1031 exchanges looking at taxing those. That's property yep. to property. You have the estate and gift tax exemption, which was $23 million lower and down to 7 Yep. So you may own a business. You may be worth $7, 10000000 million. Like that's a lot lower than $23 million. <clears throat> You have corporate income tax. Look, they're raising, looking at raising from 21 back to 28 So if you're a business owner or you work at a company, you could see that impacting your business. And then the bigger one is the step up in cost basis. So we talk about that a little bit, but that is a big thing that, you know, is, is a transfer of wealth. And I'm not talking about billions and millions of dollars, somebody, but let's say that your family owned a lake home, okay? Yep. And they bought it, hmm, 12 years ago. They've put in landscaping, remodeled it. They bought it for 200000 and now it's worth 500000 <clears throat> Do you think it's possible that that person would like their lake home to go to the family and continue to be used the way it is? Yes, I do. So generally, 200000 the kids get it when the owner dies at 500000 Currently, the kids would own it at $500,000 right. at the date of death and owe no tax. What they're looking at doing is eliminating that where now the kids would have to either A, sell the lake home and pay tax on that $300,000 gain, which they don't want to do, or they got to come out of pocket and pay the taxes for it. So that is a you know pretty big thing to look at of ways of getting taxes. And so people's ideas and looking for ways to control their tax brackets in the future, I think, are definitely on the horizon. I would agree. Yeah. And these, as he's talking about, we talked in the past, these are not done. Nope. Uh, they're just, they're proposed. And Correct. so that's what everybody, not everybody, but a lot of people are pushing for right now. So, and I'm not knocking... 401ks, IRAs, 403bs, all tax deferred vehicles, which you're eventually going to pay tax on at an unknown tax rate environment. And I think 401ks, you know, back to your saving explanation, or if if you didn't have those automatic savings plans or semi-automatic, you wouldn't have the amount of money you'd have today. So they're good. But as you start building up, you're looking at Roth IRAs, you're looking at Roth conversions, you're looking at cash value, life insurance, ways to control your tax brackets later on in life. Yeah, I uh, uh, there's a lot happening right now, and it seems like no matter what president it is, you know, there's there's always things like that. For right? sure, you know, Trump, Trump when Trump came into office, his wasn't on you know, raising taxes. It was you know the traditional uh, let the people control more of their money; they do better versus the government. And so now we're back in the throes of who can spend the money more effectively to to ultimately, <laughs> as long as we still grow GDP. Like Binger always talks about, you mentioned it earlier, but debt. Right. Just like I said, average is just average. Right? If the average consumer in America, I have no idea how much debt they have, but let's say it's 200000 mm-hmm. One person comes in, one investor and says, you know, I've got a $2 million of debt. Mm-hmm. The other one says, I'm, I don't have any debt. Right. Mm-hmm. You, you don't know on the face of it, you'd say, well, $2 million of debt is way too much. But in today's environment, when you look at business and you look at other things, if you can get debt at 4% or 5% right. and you can earn six or eight or 16 on your money, one would argue that you should probably have more debt. So it's just th- those averages, I would caution everybody when everyone throws out averages. Oh, yeah. The average this and the average that. Nobody's average. Uh, everybody falls in their own. And, and debt, some people say, you know what? If I don't have debt, I don't have much to worry about. And the other person <laughs> says, well, I want as much I'm debt as I can because 
I can make more money if I have debt on the you know the capital that I have. So and there's a difference on debt on your credit card versus debt in totally. owning a building and a business. Yeah, if you got debt on your credit card paying twenty two percent, we got a problem. <laughs> Not two million dollars of credit card debt. Exactly. <laughs> and so I'm bearish on uh, raising taxes personally, uh, but I am bullish on people starting to pay more attention to investing, to right. taxing, and kind of taking control of their. Uh, taking control of their own personal finances and at least being knowledgeable enough to know what questions to ask. I have one more statistic, and this is not this is just a, a general rule of thumb. But as you're younger, you know you don't have as much savings, right? So a 30-year-old in general should have about one to one and a half times their salary in savings. Okay. Okay. A 50-year-old should have approximately six times their annual income. <clears throat> okay. And a, a 60 year old should have approximately eight times. So if you're making a hundred thousand, 800,000, it's a general rule of thumb. And I think it's, I think it's a pretty good one. Okay. I dig that. Uh, last statistic is 80% of statistics are made up. Right. It's the 80 20 rule, right? 80% or 20% true, or you know, you know. We'd cite all this stuff somewhere, but uh, that's right. we can't. <laughs> well, good, good. Well, Nate, uh, why don't you get out of here? I'm going to interview Abby and Molly, and I highly suggest you stick around. This is one of the more inspirational stories that we've ever had on the show, and I uh, look forward to having them on the show. So, Nate, I'll catch up with you later. All right. Very good. Well, Abby and Molly, thank you. <laughs> Thanks for joining me on the show today. We appreciate you guys taking the time to join us. We're happy to be here. Yeah. Good, good. And, uh, you know, when I when I first got uh, your name, Abby, what it said was I had a, a list of some people that some uh, people that I knew had knew you or heard of you or, you know, I think are acquaintances of yours. And it, all it said was Abby Steffel. American Ninja Warrior, and I thought to myself, well, that's pretty cool. Like, I've seen that show before. I could never do, I wouldn't even get off the starting block there. Like, that's got to be a cool story. That's a driven individual that can do those things. But then as I got looking at the article that was sent to me and how you ended up on the show, the, the story is really not so much focused on American Ninja Warrior and, you know, what physical feats you can do. It was more about the things that led you to American Ninja Warrior and really your drive and inspiration behind that. And that is you, Miss Molly. Is that correct? Yep. And you are 11 years old. And, you know, you mentioned overcoming obstacles in your life. And you are a a person who would be an inspiration to anybody that has uh, heard your story before. But walk us back to... You know, in, in, in you're you a, a victim of bullying and have been through your, you know, <laughs> fairly short time on this earth and had to deal with a lot of things that, you know, I think some people have to deal with to a certain degree, but certainly you had a, a little different situation going on. Walk us back through, through your history and in your growing up. Yes. So I was born with something called a carpet palette and that my main reason why I got bullied a lot. Mm-hmm. It sadly started in preschool. It progressed a little bit throughout my life, but like you said earlier, let's walk back to preschool. <laughs> so they would call me extremely mean names, like Snake Face um, and some other stuff that now I can't even remember it. Mm-hmm. So... Um, but they used, the boys used to go on top of this big playground that we have and grab big buckets of sand for it in my hair. Hmm. And, um, the girls would call me names and push me off of stuff and just be extremely mean. And I was only five when this happened. Right. And that's so, something certainly no five-year-old should ever have to deal with. How how did that how did that make you you feel when at such a young age like that? Well, I would push it behind me, and mm-hmm. I wouldn't talk about it, but it really hurt me, and I think it's something that definitely changed my path and changed who I was, because 
I became a really good cover-up in saying that, um, that, yeah. Yeah, what Molly's trying to say is um, when this was happening in preschool, her dad and I had no idea. Sure. So um, she was just a bubbly, joyful child, Mm -hmm. and we had no clue that when she was five that she was bullied. Um, It wasn't until uh, many years later that all of the pieces came together for us. Um, And when she was bullied, that triggered her alopecia. And alopecia is an autoimmune disease um, where when you get stressed out or your body gets stressed. So that could be from sickness or that could be from, you know, life stressors. Bullying Mm -hmm. will do that well, losing a parent or a job or if you're older. Um, Anyways, when that, when she was so stressed out from that experience, um, it triggered her alopecia. So her body went into a flight or flight response Mm -hmm. and not only attacked what they thought were, they, they attacked her hair follicles like they were part of the foreign disease that they needed to fight. So they, it, alopecia doesn't distinguish between um, your hair follicles and the other illness that it needs to attack. But, okay. um, yeah, so. And it, is that, it, so what happens then when you have alopecia? So there's actually three different types of alopecia, and that's just varying in severity. It's alopecia areata, which is the most common, and though. <clears throat> Excuse me. Those are patches that are usually, they vary in size. It can be a penny, a quarter, a silver dollar, different shapes, um, and they can come and go. Then there's alopecia totalis, which means that you lose all of the hair on your head, but you mm-hmm. still have uh, other hair on your body. Sure. And then, and could that come and go? Yes, possibly. Um, then there's alopecia universalis, which means complete hair loss. Which so I have. Which okay. she has now, but when she was five, she didn't have. So when she was being bullied and she was five, we noticed um, hair receding around the sides of her head and mm-hmm. the patches of hair. And it was very concerning because we had no idea what was going on. And we took her to our local pediatrician. And actually what he suggested it was, was something um, very, very devastating um, disorder that would have had even harsher consequences. But we went to the U of M and we saw a specialist, a dermatologist, and we did a bunch of different treatments and Molly's hair, when we learned it was alopecia, Came, came and went with these different treatments that would follow the season sometimes. Um, we tried a lot of different things in her life, like diet and things that she was exposed to, and really went crazy trying to figure out what was going on. Sure. And, and how... then... Oh, go ahead. Sorry. No, go ahead. I was just going to... The thing with alopecia areata, so when Molly was five and we did these things, we took her to the doctor. We could still um, hide it fairly mm-hmm. easily. I mean, I, I shouldn't say easily, but the patches would come and go, and I was great at doing braids and, um, you know, putting in different bows in the right place and headbands sure. and things like that. So nobody really knew. Um, but us and Molly didn't even really understand or focus on, on it either because we didn't talk about it. We just, she had been through so much with her cloth and palate medically. She'd had several surgeries. And so for her, it was maybe just another thing, sure. you know, not so young. Um, I thought it was kind of like the appointments that we would go to. Mm-hmm. I thought it would be another thing to maybe like kind of help fix my cloth with the palate earlier that mm-hmm. just like has something to do with just another doctor just another sure. specialist <laughs> sure yeah. you've been you've been through one this is just another thing right 
you have a Clark Muslim palette, you have a team of doctors. So at first you can have about five doctors on your team. So to a kid, yeah, there's another doctor, you know, it's not, not that alarming. Right. Um, so jump ahead to the fall of 2018. So Molly was eight at that time Mm -hmm. in the span of about five weeks. All of her hair came out really fast. Really? All of it. All mm-hmm. of it. So she went from no one really knowing, you know, that she had uh, um, alopecia, this autoimmune disease, to mm-hmm. oh, we can't hide now. She's losing all of her hair and she's losing it fast. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. And what does that, How how how, how did that change things for you molly as well of obviously you know you had had dealt with the cleft lip and palate alopecia in in your earlier years was just kind of another thing and then all of a sudden rapidly your your hair falls out what transpired at school then a lot of negative stuff um we felt negative about going to school yeah i bet but also being bullied even more Mm -hmm. like that but the first day where I really went with no hair Mm -hmm. I wore a hat and in school you're not allowed to wear a hat so kids would get jealous and yell at me about taking about wearing my hat they would tell the teacher and then it ended up getting into bullying without even knowing, without even really being bald, per se. It was just mm-hmm. about that. So sure. that's really how it started that cycle of stuff. I think there's a big curiosity, of course, mm-hmm. um, when you see a classmate have that kind of a dramatic change in such a short time and you're not allowed to wear hats. Well, why is she wearing a hat? And again... Um, when she, when she lost all of her hair that quickly, I think there's a real fear of bullying as well. And sure. she didn't want to even step foot into the school. And Molly wants to say something else. Yeah. Um, it was very scary for me. Yeah. Because I've already dealt with that and it's, and just the thought process of having to go through that a second time, mm-hmm. even worse, probably, mm-hmm. that really scared me. And I was, I just wanted to hide. I sure. think it's like taking a piece of your identity away and exposing you very vulnerably, you know, in a, a place that's already maybe. Um, has a lot of eyes on you. So that was um, that was extremely difficult. And when we went to the um, to the dermatologist that fall, her parting words with me kind of behind Molly's back was, we need to start the process of getting her a wig mm-hmm. right away. Sure. So um, we did start that process, but Molly wore hats. And uh, you can't just get a, a wig the next day. Sure. Um, that took a while. So Molly, we, I carried her into school. She would cry and, and fight me the whole way. Yeah. Um, well, I, I can't mean, fault you like, for that, Molly. <laughs> yeah, it was a battle. And luckily, she, her brother, who's two years older than her, was extremely supportive. And he's just the best big brother you could ever think of and he was always there for her when she needed a hug or needed to see somebody to support her in school but um I went and asked uh when she first started going back to school when it was very obvious that she had the dramatic change um I went in and spoke to her third grade class Mm -hmm. um to tell the kids what alopecia is and to explain to them that Molly is not contagious, you can't get alopecia from her, she doesn't have cancer, she's not 
sick otherwise, and what she really needs is the support of everyone mm-hmm. to um, help her get through this hard time, and that's the thing that we needed from those kids. And sure. while I spoke, Molly had her back to everybody, and we were holding hands, and she was crying, and it was very, very difficult. At the end, um, do you want to say something? Well, I just want to say before that something that I think that really kick-started my bullying mm-hmm. with my um, alopecia is that I had these really group of friends that I told at first, and they're like, okay, so what? That doesn't change who you are. You're still sure. the person we know. So I would pretty much only hang out with them. And we would go on a tire swing that spins, and we went really fast, and my hat flew off. Uh-huh. And one of one of the meaner kids looked at me and ran around telling everyone and spreading rumors about me. And she would, like, she would just be extremely mean to me, and then she would pretend to be my friend, and it was a bad cycle. Sure. I can believe that. And what, what did Molly, when you're, you know, at this point when your mom's speaking to the class and it's obviously you're, you're dealing with hard things that, that heck most adults never have to deal with something like that in your life. And sure, everybody, you know, could, could nitpick about their visual appearance. And I wish I was taller or shorter or stronger in my case, but (laughs) what, (laughs) what did you, uh, at, at that point, when she was talking to the class, did you still feel like, you know, that it was still a, a scary, traumatic, awful thing? Or had, had you started to move on past it and started to kind of deal with it in your own way? No, not at all. Not at it all at that still, point? Uh, yeah. I, the reason why I turned back is because I thought that my classmates would see a fool out of me. Got and it. that I didn't want to see their reactions and their and them looking at me because I I thought that they would be like, Oh wow, I feel so bad because they were like making fun of me and kinda of picking on me before that and I just thought that they would laugh and point. She didn't sure. want them to see her cry. Understood. I, I totally understand that. And now the, I was gonna say during that during that uh, talk that you were giving, which, you know, education on people being different is certainly a, a huge step for, for people understanding things. A little boy had asked you a question. What was that question he asked you? Right. And that was at the very end. He mm-hmm. actually, it wasn't, it was a little bit less of a question. He said, but you're like Kevin Bull. Kevin Bull. And Kevin Bull is from American Ninja Warrior, and this boy must have been a fan, huh? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> cool. And yeah. did you did you guys know who Kevin Bull was at that point? Well, yes, because we were a fan of the show. Um, like my mom did in it, said in the introduction, we were a big fitness family, and sure. we like to watch TV shows like that, that kind of put you to your skill and see what you can do. Oh, yeah. So, so and Kevin it, was a big of the show. Yes. So. And what, what did, why, why, why did he say like Kevin Bull? What, what does Kevin Bull have in relationship to this? Well, he has alopecia universalis. Ah. Okay. Like, and we're both completely bald. And I think, um, he, I, was extremely happy to not be bullied, but actually did compared to a hero. Right. <laughs> yeah. When I first him on TV, I actually cried because that was the first time I knew that there was someone like me and that I was not the only one. Mm-hmm. So that cool. was like, I saw him and then I was compared to him. Mm-hmm. That was incredible. Or me. I bet. I bet. And then how, how did you, Abby, I mean, from my understanding, you, you're, you were a CrossFit athlete. You were a, uh, you had skied a lot in your younger years. Like you're an athletic person 
don't get me wrong, obviously way more athletic than me, but what, how did that set you on the path to try out for and land on American Ninja Warrior? Yeah, it seems kind of crazy, doesn't it? Yes. (laughs) And you're still saying, Abby, me introducing myself as Abby Steffel, American Ninja Warrior, that is still in my brain. I'm like, what? (laughs) Um, It still is something that just makes me smile when I think about it. Um, So, like you said, I was a CrossFit athlete. and we'll say a seasoned CrossFit athlete in my, at that time, I was 37, 38. So I was um, very, very good um, for my age group in the world. Mm -hmm. I was competing at a very high level. And then, yeah, athletics were something that I have just pursued my whole life. So I was in a very fit, um, able-bodied place at that time. And um, athletically, but as a mom, I was devastated. I was absolutely crushed. And I felt very helpless. Um, Something that I hate feeling, especially Mm -hmm. being an athlete, someone who tries to constantly overcome and, and find ways and make myself better, to be completely helpless and not able to help Molly was just devastating. Mm-hmm. Um, there are experimental drugs, and like I said, we did all kinds of things with diet and chiropractic, things that you'd be like, what? Um, we really looked into everything, um, and there were things that we could try, but we weren't willing to try mm-hmm. because they were so experimental and chemicals going into such a tiny little body. Right. Um, I felt very desperate, so... The short answer to that is after I heard Molly being compared to Kevin Bull, (laughs) I went home all alone um, the days when nobody else was in our house. Now it's our whole family. Anyways, um, I went home all alone, and I just felt like I just felt terrible. And I just Googled Kevin Bull to learn more about him, more about his background. And I... Um, thought about, uh, you know, what do you even do? How do you become an American Ninja Warrior? I know that they share stories and they uplift people. And um, I looked that up and the application had literally opened two days before. And you only had about three weeks to um, make an application. So it was like the perfect time. Mm -hmm. um, It's only open once a year. And then um, we learned about uh, that camp, Children's Alopecia Project, when I looked more up about Kevin, too. So basically, I would never have applied to be on American Ninja Warrior if it were something just for me. That was never on my radar. But I was so desperate as a mom, and I felt so helpless. I actually saw it as a way to lift Molly up. Sure. And I thought, what do I have to lose? You know? Right. There, it's something I, why not give it a shot? That's that's amazing. And so you you went on to the show, and obviously at it, it, it this time, you know, and Molly, you're, you're, you're moving from the the playground which has a lot of people on it now you're moving to kind of a a national stage of alopecia and this kind of thing like where where did where did it click for you molly that i need to address this hat on i need to get my attitude right i need to i mean you're only you know at this point nine ten years old you got a long long runway left on you how did how did you get into a positive mindset versus the one that was, you know, in the classroom with their back facing to the students? That was hard because I, a, I I think one or two days after my um my mom came in to talk, I I just know that I did this. Um I actually went into the other two classrooms. She did that on her own. I did really? that on my own. Knowing. She asked the other two teachers, there were three third grade classrooms, if she could speak to the other classes. Hmm. 
Hmm. And she did it all by herself. And so I told them, and I think that made me happier mm-hmm. for about a week or two. But then the bullying kind of also came back with a couple kids, and then sure. and then I kind of got drunk down again, and then I the Kevin Bull thing happened, mm-hmm. and I was um I kind of um it kind of having that outlook of someone being just like you and being so strong and so confident mm-hmm. and having a family that supports you no matter what happens it's just an incredible thing and that's kind of what got me into that mental piece where I should start being an inspiration because ever since I was a little kid I've always wanted to be someone who's like super strong and mentally strong and just making everyone happy because that's why I was grown because that's what I was grown up by you know sure I was in a house full of happiness and my brother always taught me that because whatever Haven did my brother I did it. It didn't even matter what he did. (laughs) So (laughs) he was a a big help to kind of be in that mental state where I can do this. And now what? Yeah, go ahead. I just wanted to add to that. I think it was extremely powerful when Molly chose to go and speak to the other kids because from my perspective, it seemed like, and I used to be a teacher an elementary teacher myself. So a lot of times kids are very curious and they talk behind others' backs when they don't understand things. But when you take off your own hat in front of them and say, this is me, this is who I am, it kind of, which is exactly what Molly did, it kind of strips away that ability to make fun of someone saying, oh, she always wears a hat. I wonder what looks, you know, mm-hmm. Molly took that away and she took her own power back. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that was huge. That was just such a beautiful turning point for her. And then, um, yeah, it spiraled from there into a national stage. Yeah, which is very cool. <laughs> and unfortunately, I'm afraid that it's not just children that are, you know, talk behind people's back and judge people and do all that. I mean, that's something that everybody deals with, whether it's a visual thing or it could be a million different things that people can judge people for. What now you have, you have grown adults, Molly, listening to this show and they are business owners and have, you know, 50 or hundred employees or 10 employees and they have big businesses. These are grown people, but yet we still find ourselves every once in a while in a, let's just call it a mental funk where things aren't going well. Maybe things at home aren't going well or business isn't going well or uh, your health isn't going well. Like something can get you drugged down mentally. And I'm sure that, you know, even as, as positive and as motivating as you are, I'm sure you hit some doldrums every once in a while too. It's just human nature, right? How, how do you, or what is your advice to these grown adults to pull yourself out of that mental funk and get back on top where you need to be? Well, first off, you can't choose what happens, but you can always choose how to react. I um, love that. <laughs> and, well, there's always a light at the end of a tunnel. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you have to backtrace a little bit and find where you went wrong and kind of fix that sometimes. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's apologizing. Sometimes it's um, something that you did wrong, like on a document. Yeah, it could come from anything. <laughs> You don't even have to give people examples. They know where they went wrong. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But you kind of just got to come back from that. Either fix it, apologize, and be yourself. And just 
show that you can be the person that you aspire to be. Mm -hmm. And like I said earlier, um, it, there's always a light at the end of the tunnel and you will work through this. And, and there's not a part of your life where you have your glory days. It's mm -hmm. every day you have your glory days and about your journey. It's about the journey. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, and the only time where you're down in the dumps is where you get yourself down. <laughs> I agree. And if you don't start pulling yourself out, you go deeper, huh? Yeah. And if you, if you're in a bad mental state, you either believe what people say about you or you think that about yourself. Or if you mess up on something, um, you know, it's probably something that you should not have done. So mm -hmm. can I ask Molly a question? Yeah, of course. So Molly, when we go out in public a lot, strangers, not on purpose, um, not with ill intent, but they call Molly a boy a mm -hmm. lot, which sure. I, as her mom, it makes me mad. And mm -hmm. <laughs> I just want to say, you know, I want to stand up and I want to fight for her, but I don't mm -hmm. because Molly, I, if it's just like a quick thing, like sometimes I'm biking and I'll be on a loop and someone says hi and then we see each other coming back and they say, like, I'm biking with my brother and mm -hmm. this guy said, hey, good job, boys. I just brush off and say thank you because... <laughs> Um, it's not like they're being mean to you and they're not like correcting something that you say. They like, were trying to they were just something trying nice. To, yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm, so right. it's not like where they're like, no, she's, or he's a boy, not a girl. Sure. Even when I say I am a girl, mm -hmm. like that's when I kind of come out and like, no, I am a girl, so um, you don't have to escalate that. Sure. You, sure. you can <laughs> my gender for my appearance. Sure. The, the guy, the, the guy, just saying, "Good job, boys." Is it's not worth it getting off my bike for the education. <laughs> no, <laughs> no. She sure. does a, a beautiful job of that of taking in perspective and actually. She has great empathy, so she's able to think of where's that person coming from. You know, are they actually trying to be malicious and attack me, or in that case, are they trying to give me a compliment? Molly has a great ability to really look at a whole picture when she's looking and reacting with her life, which is sure. um, something I have learned from her as her mom and it blows me away because like I said, my gut reaction is to say, excuse me, excuse me. <laughs> you will daughter. jump off your bike for the education, huh? Oh my God. <laughs> you know I will. Uh, yeah. yes, I will on the stage of American Ninja Warrior, I will jump off my bike. I've, um, I do believe that. But I can't do that. I can't, it won't help Molly because I won't always be there, you know? Right. So I, I can't. She and has what, to do it for herself. What yeah. is the big lesson that you've learned in all this, Mom? Um, for me, it's about, even when you're in your hardest times, it's about taking opportunities and trying, taking leaps, even when they're extremely scary. It's taking that chance when you think there's no way this is going to work out or happen. Um, going for things that you thought were beyond you. Another thing that I do since all of this has come and I think about should I do that or not do that, I think about what would Abby, however long from now on my deathbed, you know, mm -hmm. what would I, is that something that I would be proud of doing? Is that something that's worth doing? Um, because in the end, those are the things that matter. You know, we waste right. a lot of time and energy on things that I don't think in the end will really matter. 
Mm-hmm. So I try to, I try to put more energy into, um, my husband will love how much, you know, I don't put in a lot of energy into cleaning the house some days. I might put in energy into, you know, writing an essay for, uh, application or, to American Ninja Warrior. Or trying to get him to build a snitch off. <laughs> <laughs> Trying to get him to build something, huh? <laughs> yep. <laughs> and uh, also, I would like to add on hers a little bit. Yeah. Well, this is kind of from my perspective. I think that we both think of this. It's kind of when you are about to leave the world, you kind of want to be thinking, is that you want to be remembered as a hero or a villain. Some of them are very good, some of them are okay. Sure. no one can do extremely bad, but... Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, we yeah. love you, Molly. You can say everything and yeah. everything. <laughs> you definitely <Yeah>. can. <laughs> And what, uh, and, and Molly, you did have, I read in one of the articles, you have a, speaking of being out in public, a favorite t-shirt that you wear. What does that t-shirt say? It says, um, well, there's a couple. Staring causes yeah, baldness. Yeah, staring causes baldness. Staring causes um, baldness. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, one of my friends gave it to me. That's cute. Um, <laughs> And yeah. you all, you also have now, now you've, you've, you know, taken this, this, this positivity and motivation and you're, you're changing things for other people as well. And you guys have started a nonprofit, correct? Carve out courage. Yes, sir. Carve out courage. <laughs> Tell me a little bit about that. Well, it's a website where Kai tells you a little bit about our journey and, um, it's, like you said earlier, it's a nonprofit that is supposed to foster resilience in youth. And um, we will give special awards. We will share the awards. We will uh, post about our journeys. It's pretty much just a confidence place mm-hmm. and a happiness place <laughs> where um, we want people to see about how they don't always, people don't always um, have to see bad things as the worst things. Right. Yeah, so, that's, that's very good. Can I add on to that yeah, a little course. bit? Yeah, of course. <laughs> <laughs> yep, go ahead. She made it. Um, <laughs> you know. Well, Molly, Molly. <laughs> I actually thought of that. That was a phrase at first. I thought that under my dining room table. <laughs> she <loves laughs> very cool. That. I don't know. The best part. So Molly, when I was on the show that season, and it's kind of crazy to say that um, because I'm about to be on for my third season. I was going to ask the the future and the current state of American Ninja Warrior. Yeah. So I leave for Tacoma, Washington in two weeks. Oh, nice. Yeah. Um, (laughs) Fast and furious. I'm excited. But um, the first season, when I was on the show, they interviewed both of us before I ran the course. And um, I didn't do so good on the course because I had very little ninja experience. Like, you can be very strong, but let me tell you, it's harder than it looks. (laughs) I have very little ninja experience, too. (laughs) (laughs) Like, none. Well, you, a lot of people sit on their couches, you know, and they're like, I could do that. <laughs> anyway, it's the couch effect, we call it. Yeah. Oh, it yeah. is. Yeah. So, um, uh, where was I going with this? Oh, Molly was interviewed, and then she did such a beautiful job, she ended up being on Kevin Bull's sideline in Las Vegas where they ended up interviewing her again and did a specific feature just on Molly and Kevin. And Mm -hmm. that catapulted Molly into other media outlets where she did um, Jana Shortall of Breaking the News. Kara Levin did a Mm -hmm. beautiful interview with her about Mm anti-bullying. And that went national. 
So mm-hmm. that went to um, NBC's, all their other news outlets around the country. And um, somebody in professional bull riding happened to see that out in Texas. Like one of the biggest bull riders in the world was crazy. <laughs> Anyways, it's a wild story. And there are so many details and it's easy to get lost in. Yeah. But we watched Molly speak beautifully and articulately and extremely inspiring over and over again. And she would say, carve out courage a lot. Mm-hmm. That was kind of her tagline that she would come back to. And just watching her, I knew as her mom, it was my responsibility to um, foster this gift that she has. And mm-hmm. um, that's where Carve Out Courage was basically born from, was cool. under the table. Under the kitchen table, knowing that um, that Molly had a unique gift and that she needed to share her light um, yeah. and help other kids carve out courage like she has. So with yeah. that, we've done a few events with kids, um, to, with alopecia and cloth lip and palate, and um, we had different things planned pre-COVID. COVID has been difficult. Um, but also Molly has done Molly Talks, a few of those where she actually talks to groups, kids, and shares her stories. We've, um, I'm a photographer, so we've used photography to share stories. Um, they go on photo shoots with her, stuff like that. Oh, yeah, cool. lots of different things that we have just constantly tried to um, do that we can help foster resilience in youth. Also, we raised money and we gave a check back to Children's Alopecia Project, which is that camp that we mentioned Molly Mm -hmm. went to not long after she had, um, she lost all of her hair. So we've been um, raising money for other nonprofits that like CAP as well. Sure. Good for you guys. Is giving back is a big part of our business too, and a lot of the people that listen are are always charitably giving back. But you guys, uh, to be that inspiration to people, whether they are you know have alopecia or whether they are just listening to this podcast and are in whatever their own personal battle is, it's people like you guys who can you know drag drag someone out of those doldrums and get back to where they need to be. That's thank very, you. Yeah, that's. That's awesome, and I think you're right. Like it's it's all relative, right? That's, For sure. That's perfectly it. We all have, we all have something that we battle. Mm-hmm. All of us. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's all relative. So. But it's yeah. like you said, it's the it's not the destination, it's the journey. And hey, Molly, one one more time for the people in the back. What did you say about you can't control what happens to you? Well, you can't choose what happens in life, but you can always choose how to react. That is one of my favorite sayings. I'm glad that you've learned it this young in life. But you need to tell me one more thing, too. What are you going to do when it's time for you to be in a career or in a job? What's on your wish list right now? Oh, that's a lot. You're only 11, but but Molly, you're a smart 11-year-old. I think you've thought about this. (laughs) Um, I want to be a motivational speaker. I want to be a teacher. I want to be an artist. I want to be a professional photographer. I want, I would love to have a job with horses. Those are my favorite animals. And (laughs) I, I just love horses. Um, I'm actually having a lesson tomorrow. Oh, nice. Um, Anyways, um, I want to be, I want to have my own talk show or game show, something like that. Nice. Um, like Wheel of Fortune or something? Oh, I want to be a zookeeper. And an architect? Yep. And a zookeeper? Zookeeper and the architect. Side. He'll be an architect on the side. <laughs> That's the hobby. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, I also, I don't know why, but I, I really haven't said this, but like half of me 
think I would be a good lawyer? <laughs> wow. <laughs> a lawyer on the side as well. <laughs> Molly, you've you've definitely got the you've definitely got the articulation and intelligence to to certainly be an attorney or really to that fact with your motivation behind it, I believe that you can do whatever you want to do and you will do it well. <laughs> Yeah. That's good. That's good. You've got lots of time to do that. Well, I wanted to just say thank you for both of you for joining us on the show. Did you also know, Molly, that you're the first podcast we've done with two guests? Really? Yeah. Cool. You guys are the, the very oh, first cool. one we've ever done with two, and it, it went uh, went surprisingly well, but luckily I had good guests on the show that were able to carry me through it, because I'm not that good at this, Molly. <laughs> oh. I think you do great. Yeah, you do. Well, thank thank you guys for being an inspiration to to anybody out there. We appreciate Molly certainly what you, what you do for little kids as a as a father of three little ones. You know, it's it's not easy growing up, and it. You know, I wish I could tell you it gets easier as you get older, but you just deal with you deal with things like this on your way through. Everyone's got their battle, but you know, listening to you guys, the lessons you've learned, lessons you've shared with us is nothing but inspiring and. Molly, you are one of the most articulate, intelligent 11-year-olds I've ever met in my life. So thank you very much for coming on and being, being this bold and this uh, open open with everybody. Your your, uh, your ability to share is a true gift for you. Thank you so much. Thank you, guys. Well, you guys go have a great day. Today. We appreciate you coming on the show. Thank, thank you. you. Thanks, girls. Have a great day. Bye.